We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following the journey into comics 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 network 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 production production and here we go ladies and gentlemen you're listening to journey into comics the podcast dedicated to all things nerd with your host the podfather himself Nate Phillips Showtime, a-holes! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 235. I am your host, Nate. I hope everybody is doing fantastic on this Monday or whenever in time and space you are listening. So last time we had Journey into Comics, we had Tyler and Skyler on. The girls and myself went with them to go see Captain Marvel. We did a huge review and talked about that ad nauseum and really hyped up how great that is. We do have some Captain Marvel news we will be getting into eventually, but since then, I feel like I have lived like 50 different fucking lives. So let's get into that. Uh, we recorded early last week on Friday instead of waiting till Sunday to record because I was going down to Hoopston to see my dad, but not just to see my dad. Last year, dad actually bought tickets to Metallica, so it's happening. We're going to see Metallica. Monday was the plan. So we stayed over at dad's Sunday. We were hanging out. It was a relaxing evening, nothing really too major to report. Monday gets around here. We have a little bit of lunch together with Sarah. We get ourselves together. My sister shows up with her husband, Bill. We pack into her car, and it is off to the races to Indianapolis. We go. We drive on to 74. We take 465 to 7070 to Washington Street, I think it was, or something. We had a couple mishaps with the driving. Sometimes it gets a little bit confusing. It's just, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm... Bad more like um, mellow driver in regards to things anymore like the way that everybody like well dad especially drives is really stressful I'm like oh my god just relax for a second the calmer you are the easier this whole entire thing will be so you know we drive we make it to Indianapolis we park at this um, open parking lot area and dad's like okay well we're here we should go get some food and I was like okay so I like look on the near me app and I cannot, for the life of me, find what the fuck is going on. And I'm like, this is stupid. I just don't know where there's going to be food. And I'm sure there's going to be food inside. But, God, that's hours before they're going to let us in. Like, what the fuck? Like, we need to figure this out ASAP. So, I'm just, like, looking around. And I look at the end of the block. And I see a sign with a cactus on it. And I immediately knew what the logo was. And I was like, oh, my God, they have a Qdoba. My family likes Mexican food. They don't really typically get to eat, like, uh, I don't know, middle-end, high-end fast food because it's kind of faster food, but it's just like Chipotle or whatever. So anyways, we uh, go into Qdoba, smash some food. It was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't my favorite Qdoba that I've ever had, but I didn't order my typical way. I kind of went on the, well, you're going to be at a concert, eat light, you know, like that's the that's the best recourse. So I, uh, you know, we eat, 
And when we went into Qdoba, there was a huge fucking line for Metallica. And we got out, the line was gone. And I was like, oh my God, they've let people in. We can hurry up and get in. That's going to be great. So we go, and the people are like, no, you got to go. This isn't the line. This is a different line. You got to go down further. There's another line. And we're like, oh my God, the line's going to be forever. This is going to be awful. We're going to be standing out in the cold for, you know, doors are not for another hour. So we start walking. We walk past the buses. We turn and we look where they tell us to look. And there's not a line in every line there's a very small line and it actually wraps inside and i was like oh guys let's go in this line we'll just fucking jump in this line and then we'll be inside we don't have to worry about it we can stay warm because it was a little bit chilly it was a little bit colder than i would have liked it to be even though it said it was like 45 degrees you know and we've been dealing with minus 22 degree weather for some reason it was still chilly i don't understand that i thought i'd be used to this shit but i guess not fucking 70 degree weather get here already so we're inside hanging out, man, waiting. We're laughing, talking about, you know, we're just people watching, man. We're noticing things. Guy trying to cut in line, doesn't work. Guy trying to get into the place and doesn't have a ticket, doesn't work. You know, like all kinds of things. Guy walks in, no ticket. Does anybody have a ticket for sale? Like, I want to buy a ticket right now. That doesn't work. Like, hysterical. We're standing there. We stood there a good hour, you know, and I had the basket in my hand. Because you have to take all your shit out of your pockets, put it in the basket, put the basket on this little thing, they take it, and then you fucking just, you know, go through. So I go through, well, let's, we, I'm jumping too far ahead, sorry. So anyways, you have the basket, and I'm holding it, and we're talking, and my sister and dad go, hey, look up, and look like down that other line, because there are two lines now that are formed, and they are, they're, they're going out the door. So there's lines going out the door. And a brutal train of our existence. Wow, he wanted y'all to know he was on this show. That was like six seconds of fucking horn without stopping. That was crazy. I hope you guys hear that. Anyways, so we're standing in the line. Dad and Sam and Bill say look up. I look up and Brando is in one of the other lines that's out the door and outside. He's standing outside. And we're sitting there, you know, just, again, people watching. And Sam looks and says, hey, look, every guy that's standing over by Brando has the same facial expression. They all did. Every single guy was wearing a hat. Every guy was, like, wearing a leather jacket, metal shirt of some sorts, with kind of like a not really frowny face, but just like a resting dude face, you know, just hanging out. So, uh... It was really funny. We were laughing. So we're standing there still waiting for the line to go. And finally at 6.15, so this is 15 minutes after they said doors were going to be. Six, 15 minutes after doors were going after they said the doors were going to be, they finally start letting people through the line. So the line starts moving, and as we're starting to move, this other line is merging into a different line. And it's just like, it's we're, we're just kind of going. We're like cattle. They're herding us in. Go this way. Go this way. So we're in the line, and Brando's line is this other line, and by the time we get to where we were going to be like facing forward in the line instead of being curled around inside, we link up perfectly with Brandon. I give Brandon like the the handshake high-five hug type deal thing going on real quick, just quickly because it's like everything's moving so fast we can't fucking hang around and chit-chat and bullshit and catch up. Everybody is trying to get in to the concert now. So we just... You know, we haul ass to get in. We go to go through the little security thing. I put my basket on the side. They take it. They whoosh it right through. No big deal. 
I go and I go to go through and it's like, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I set the thing off, you know? So they send me back through again. They're like, wait a second, try again. I go through, they're like, you know, or whatever it was. And uh, I'm like, shit, this is not cool. I'm not going to get to see Metallica because something's setting it off. Like, did I sleep and have a fucking metal plate put in my head? And I didn't know, like, what is happening? I'm so confused. So I look, my belt's on, and I'm like, oh, it's, I've got a metal belt buckle. I bet it's the metal belt buckle. The guy's like, it's definitely the metal belt buckle, dude. So I take my belt off. I give it to him. I go through, still nothing. And I'm like, really having a legit panic attack at this moment. Like, I'm freaking the fuck out. What is happening? And in my moment of panic, I feel in my pockets, and oh my god, my phone was in the basket, but I grabbed it to text V or Sarah, and, and in doing so, I just instinctively didn't put it back in the basket, I put it back in my pocket right when we were in line, so the fucking thing goes off, and I'm panicking, and then I figure it out, and then immediately I go through, and they're like, okay, it's cool, of course it was the phone. So dad's like, God, you are my son, of course, you know, whatever. So then we have to go to another second secondary set of lines. And we go through the secondary set of lines. Beep, 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 beep. And they just scan your ticket. And we get the ticket scan. We go up. My dad and my sister are like, man, we need some fucking water. We need something to drink. Like, let's do it. So we go and we get $5 bottles of water. That's real. That was fucking ridiculous. $5 for a bottle of water. Um, little sized bottles of water too, like the one I'm drinking right now that's only, you know, 16.9 fluid ounces um, for $5. Better fucking clean my fucking whole entire insides, you know what I'm saying? So we are in there, we're in that line, and we are noticing that the merch line is already outlandish. I mean, there are just too many fucking people it looks like it's gonna take forever we are super anxious to sit down just to get in and see the place and to be there once you're like in your seat i feel like when you're locked into a concert is when you hit your seat and you know like okay now i'm ready for the show now i'm ready for the ride now i can go and like if i choose to go spend 30 minutes in concessions i know where i'm going i'm not like confused or lost or trying to find my way so I'm just like, okay, whatever, we're going to do this, you know, I get, we're just going to have to fucking do this, so we go, and I ask somebody, I'm like, how would you get to section 115, and they're like, okay, where we are now is nowhere close to where you want to be, you're going to go the opposite direction you've been walking, the other way, go the other way, and you're going to keep walking until you hit the escalator, now you're going to see the escalator, but you're also going to see the escalator has stairs next to it, Take the stairs because if you take the escalator, the escalator is going to take you all the way to the top. You're not going to want to do that. You only want to go to about halfway, so you're going to want to take the stairs to go halfway up. You'll turn left, then you'll turn quick right. You'll go a couple little things down, and then it'll be a doorway, and you'll go right in. Oh, fucking cool, man. So we follow the guy's directions. It's a little bit of a long trek, but we get there. Again, we look at the other merch line. It's just as incredibly long, and I'm just like, this is going to be a fucking crazy show, because people are hyped, and they're excited, they're buying merch by the fucking fistfuls, and yeah, shirts were expensive, like 45 fucking dollar expensive, but you know what, um, I think it's worth it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, so we, uh, we finally find our seats, were seats 13, 14, 15, and 16, spoiler alert, I sat in seat 13, uh, in section 11, in or in section 111, or 115 in row 11, that's hard to say, 
So we were at the very top of a row, which was nice too. It was really cool to be just like easily by the stairs, easily accessible. Didn't have to fucking wade through people to get to where we wanted to go. Uh, you know, I bought the, I, I helped dad acquire these tickets last year and totally forgot where our seats were. I was just like, yep, it's good, whatever, you know? So we do that. We get to our seats, we sit down and there's a couple next to us and they're, is this your first time? Blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, we just saw him in Lexington, whatever. And I was like, oh man, this is fucking cool, man. People are just like into Metallica. And, and it's really just like surreal. I'm taking it and I look at the stage, the stage is amazing it's in the dead center of the arena and there are people gathered around it and there's just this visual and there's these big ass like uh cloth screens that have advertisements going around i'm just taking in the whole experience and like looking around and and recognizing like the different fucking uh advertisements that are like saying the different things they have around like the uh it's where the Pacers play, so they have ads that are constantly running, you know. It's weird. It's weird to also be in the place where the Pacers play, diehard Bulls fan. Don't really dig on the Pacers. Never been in the United Center. I've been where the Pacers played for two different events that were one basketball-related, now Metallica. So we're sitting there, and I had recalled that when the girls put up their Casual Fiend Friday video that Walk Among Us do every Friday, they did Green Hell as a tribute to me because I was on my way to Metallica, and I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. And uh, I was like, this is just fucking so cool of them. Like, how how nice. So in them doing that, somebody, like, reached out and was like, hey, let me know when your drummer, Nate, gets in the area because I want to, like, try to link up with him. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I, dro- I dropped my phone live on the podcast. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Somebody wants to, like, run. Like, someone wants to actually meet me. Just some fucking dude. I'm just a, a, I'm just Nate. You guys know him. I might be the pod father, but it's nothing special. He wants to meet me at the show. And I'm like, all right. So I text him or I Facebook message him because we're Facebook friends. I'm like, hey, man, I'm in section 115, row 11, seat 13. He goes, sweat, see you soon. And then disappears like off Facebook. I'm like, all right. So I'm sitting there and my sister and her husband, Bill, have gone to get some merch and they're doing the merch thing and while they're doing the merch then this dude comes up and it's this guy he's like hey man i'm jameson and i'm like hey what's up man he's like hey i'm a huge fan of your band like i hope to catch you guys live sometime he's like hyping us he's like you know you're really talented it's fucking amazing what you guys do it's just bringing something totally different to the fold you know it's i really wanted to meet you because it's really special man uh the guy that does metallica's live albums the guy that actually records and then puts them together and and, and also the guy that curates their box sets for vinyl is one and the same uh is actually the guy that turned me on to walk among us so without metallica i wouldn't know about you as a band and i was like holy fucking what the fuck you know this is like being said right in front of my dad and this like really crazy moment because i'm standing there and 32 year old me is tapping 16-year-old Nate on the shoulder and saying, hey, kid, you're, you're, you're doing the thing. Like, you're doing the right thing. And just keep, you know, believing in what you're doing because it's, uh, it's working, you know. It was cool validation to have somebody who's a fan of our product and what we're trying to accomplish come find me at a Metallica concert. Like, he took time out of seeing Metallica, and it was before the show, obviously, before the Jim Brewer comedy and all that shit, but, like, he still took time out of his experiencing Metallica to find me, search me out, 
and say what's up and like say all these nice things. So we took a photograph and it was cool and it was his it was his 49th time seeing Metallica. It was my first time seeing Metallica. It was his 49th time seeing Metallica and he had he's been following them on this most recent tour a lot. Uh, so he kind of already knew what was going on. He's like, man, you know, you're going to have a fantastic show. And I was like, Hey, I brought a little something for you. You know, you had said you wanted to meet me. I thought it'd be super cool. I know you have like battle vest. Here's some walk among us patches. And I gave him our two different patches that we have. And, uh, he was super gracious and he was like, Whoa, I totally wasn't expecting that. Like, that's wow. Like, thank you so much. I, I, I didn't think you guys would actually like, he's like, I wasn't, I'm not trying to sound like mean, but that's like one of the, like, you're not trying to think about bringing, like, doing that shit here. Like, you're you get, you're trying to get hyped on Metallica. I understand. It's your first concert. I'm sure you're going crazy. Uh, you know, it's fine. So, he's like, well, crazily enough, man, I have something for you. And he pulls out a Metallica pick from earlier in the tour at one of the shows he had been to that he got from the show. I, you know, I didn't ask whose it was, whether it was, it had to have been James's because Kirk uses these green, like, dino picks. So, yeah, got a het pick. That's fucking wicked, man. He's my hero, and I've got a het pick, and you fucking can't beat that, dude, at all. You cannot beat that. I mean, I didn't catch it myself. I guess you could beat that. You could actually meet the guy. You could actually catch pick yourself. But to to get a pick from a show on a tour that I didn't go to that wasn't something I purchased on eBay or got, like, weirdly or or some sort of weird trade, like, this was just a gift, like, hey, man, I appreciate your music, and this is just something for you. And it was like, man, as a Metallica fan, I felt super invited in. So now it's time to get started. The DJ does some shit. As soon as Jameson goes to dip, the DJ starts. Dad and I are like, fuck it, let's go get some merch ourselves. My sister and Bill have come back. Dad and I go to fucking get the merch. Boop, boop, boop. We go to the merch table, and Dad picks out his shirt. I pick out. My shirt, which was opposite of the shirt that I was going to pick, I just last second went, no, I want the Viking. So I get this Viking shirt. It doesn't have any dates on it or tour information or anything. I know I went there March 11th of 2019. I experienced it. It was fucking incredible. It was in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is not my hometown, though. And I don't, I mean, you know, so I didn't want to, like, necessarily have, like, the, they had one that was, like, the indie-specific shirt. And I thought, you know, it's cool and all, but... It's, it's not me. That's That would be disingenuous to who I am as a person. I want to have something that I really fucking dig and can be proud of and be like, I bought this fucking shirt when I saw Metallica, baby. So I got the Viking. I thought it was fucking badass. So we go and we sit back down. This is like five minutes before Jim Brewer is going to come on and do comedy. And we sit down and I'm like, what shirt did you guys get? And they're it's the same shirt as dad. It's the same shirt as dad. It's the same shirt as dad. All three of them have the same shirt. I asked Brando in a text, what shirt did you get? It's the same shirt that Dad and Sam and Bill got. I'm the only person of the people that I knew that were there. And I don't know if Jameson bought a shirt or not, but of the people that I knew for sure that were there that were intending to spend money on shirts and shit, I was the only one that got that fucking Viking shirt and didn't get the Worldwide Tour shirt that everyone else had with the scary guy crushing the arena. So Jim Brewer goes on. And it's, you know, it's okay. It's pretty fun. It was more of an experience. It was less of him trying to do a full, like, stand-up thing. Some of it was a little bit comedic, and he was talking about some things and doing some impressions of musicians and whatnot and did a little bit of Ozzy and what have you. And then he invited, like, a six-year-old up on stage, which was weird because there was a kid in my section who was four and a half or five, I think, who was probably definitely the youngest person here. 
in in the crowd, but you we couldn't yell loud enough to get Metallica's attention or Jim Brewer's attention to let him know that this kid was younger than six year old Damien. Damien though, fucking wicked name. So Prince Damien, Metal Prince. It was cool. And then like he searched out the oldest dude in the crowd and then it's eighty two year old dude. And then in between searching out the oldest dude, there were some other dudes. There's like the fucking there's Stanley or something or Sweeney or I don't know what the fuck his fucking name was, but whatever it was, he this guy was like seventy nine and this other guy was eighty something. It was just like the point he was trying to make is it doesn't matter because generationally across the board like so many multiple generations, kids who are under 10 years old, teenagers, 20 year olds, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s year olds, all experiencing the the fucking magic that is Metallica. So Jim Brewer does the little bits. They kept kind of teasing on and off. I felt like that was one of the kind of the big complaints of the night across the board from everybody is it was just entirely too much waiting. We are waiting around, waiting around, waiting around. Want to see the show. We want to check it out. We want to see what they're going to get into, what songs are going to be played. And then finally, we get uh, Jim Brewer comes out one last time and he does this sing along thing. He's like, listen, tonight's about a hard rock sing along. So, like, if you're going to do a hard rock sing along, we got to get you guys' pipes warmed up. Let's get some songs on the Jumbotron and we'll fucking do a sing along that way. So, we did like some Maiden and some Black Sabbath and some fucking. Uh, Motorhead and, and, and ACDC and all these things. And then once that was done, he's like, the next time you guys see me, it's 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 go time. Like, it's, it's happening. I'm going to introduce the band, and it's happening. So he comes back one last time. He introduces the band, A Long Way to Top, If You Want to Rock and Roll by ACDC Plays. Then the Ecstasy of Gold starts in the footage from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And then we get into the hardwired to self-destruct, uh, hardwired riff, and it's and it's just like you're there, and it's a pre-taped thing, and you're the band's not out yet, and then they start to you start to see the band come out to the stage, and it's like this like wicked moment, and then like Lars hits the snare, and they fucking pop off, and they're playing hardwired, and they kill the song, and uh, just to briefly run down the whole set list here because it was a, a amazing experience, it was like. We got to see Hardwired, and they did Atlas Rise, so those are both off of the new album, tracks one and two, coincidentally enough. Then they went to the very first album and did Seek and Destroy and got the crowd just singing along and going crazy and all about it and having fun, and the energy was electric. It was fucking tangible. You could feel it, and it's funny that I said that the energy was electric because the very next song after Seek and Destroy was Ride the Lightning, and that was amazing to see, and it's it's a little, there's a little bit of history in here because in 1985, Metallica played in Indianapolis for the very first time at Sheffield's fucking country club or some shit, and they were on the Ride the Lightning tour. So it was the first time they played indie, they played a lot of Ride the Lightning, and that was kind of a theme for tonight. As soon as they were done with Ride the Lightning, they toned it down a whole bunch, and to see this was awesome because we actually got to watch and witness Metallica perform the Unforgiven from the Black Album. It's one of my all-time favorite tracks. Just the acoustic intro and what have you. It was, it was fucking wicked. Just the whole experience. So like, so far, it, oh okay. Now I need to mention this. Back, let's go back to Atlas Rise. That was track two, real quick. Because during Atlas Rise, we get to learn something new about the uh, the stage show. So while you're looking down and you see the actual stage itself is in the middle of the thing you've not realized that they've taken the giant cloth jumbotron things away and they're actually cubes in front of us they can go up and down and are like three foot by three foot by three foot cubes 
three foot tall by three foot wide by three foot deep cubes that um that are all LED screens that do different shit throughout the show, and they like reflect the song, and then they 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 in themselves become an additional part of the experience because they're telling the story that the Metallica is trying to convey, the imagery that they're trying to convey while they're doing the song. So during Atlas, it was cool because all the cubes turned into old school looking televisions, multiple different kinds of televisions, and you were watching the Metallica concert on the TV in black and white on the cubes while watching Metallica in front of you on it was fucking super meta and wicked uh you know seek and destroy they had some like old school flyers and shit for ride the lightning it was like green and blue and lightningy and fucking creepy and evil uh during the unforgiven i don't think they really used the cubes a lot if at all i i mean i'm not really recalling oh you know what they used I, I, I can't remember. Uh, and then they went and Now That We're Dead. And Now That We're Dead was fucking wicked because they do the song. And that's one of my, again, another great track off the new album. Uh, and like towards the middle end of it, well, I guess during the beginning of the song, the stage changed for the first time. And it went from being flat to there were four cubes, big cubes on stage. And I was like, what the fuck are those? And what are they going to do with those? Are they like pyro or they smoke like what are they about to do i don't know they were none of those things during now that we're dead all the members of the band lars included jumps off his drum kit they each go to one of the four cubes they each have drumsticks and they now do this wicked fucking drum solo drum line cadency thing and then kick back into the end of now that we're dead and wicked it was fucking wicked across the board it was just one of the cool things because again you, you first time seeing metallica i didn't know what to expect and another thing that's really neat is they don't always play the same song so some shows are different than other shows they 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 rotate a lot like walk among us we're a little bit more extreme we rotate a lot of our songs and play different songs all the time and try to constantly keep fresh on shit uh, but they switch out certain positions in their, their set and keep other things exactly the same. That just kind of keeps things with a fluidity. You want it to be a very similar experience while being a unique experience for each city. You don't want everyone to be like, well, yeah, we saw the same set to fucking Columbus saw and the same set to fucking Grand Rapids saw and the same set to fucking Louisville saw. Like, that's boring. But if I saw, like, man, we got to see Ride the Lightning and not everybody did. Some people got Harvester of Sorrow there. Like, it'd be cool to see Harvester of Sorrow, but that's not my experience. You know, so then after now that we're dead, we went to Creeping Death, one of my all time favorite Metallica tunes, then which this was fucking awesome. And we're going to touch on this right now. Uh, real quick to back up. Brando was a guest on Podcastrophy last week, and he already like detailed his journey into the Metallica world and the Metallica concert. And uh, he was trying to touch on this and they kind of sidetracked and never got back to it. So I wanted to say it here that um it was interesting because we actually got to see all the songs that Brando and I used to play together, the Metallica songs. They played them. Like, Draxus used to do Creeping Death. They played it. Draxus used to do From the Bell Tolls. They played it. Uh, you know, we're going to get into more later because I'm going to keep going on the set, but that's one thing to note is like every Metallica song that I've ever played with bands was played live at this show. It was like, fucking catered to me tailored to me and not all and and some of the songs were songs that had been switched out exclusively for this show so it was just like perfectly tailored to what i wanted to hear 
After For Whom the Bell Tolls, we got another one off the new album, Here Comes Revenge, which was awesome. As soon as Here Comes Revenge was over, they uh, did this little, like, uh, I guess it was like a cool down or just a break in the action a little bit where instead of it being like an old school, you know, Metallica does a solo that's like one specific thing or like stuff they've already written they this time started doing stuff that was to local musicians. So they did a couple Zero Boy songs, Vicious Circle, Amphetamine Addiction, and then they did a little bit of John Mellencamp's I Need a Lover. And when that was done, like, James was hyping the crowd for a minute, and then we got to hear one of the fucking coolest things, and I got to actually live hear Rob Trujillo play Anesthesia by Cliff Burton, and it fucking raised the hair on my arms. It was fucking incredible so that happens and then they go right into hit the lights and that was fucking wicked so we're 10 songs deep and all we've gotten are the different QB guys we've gotten the different kind of like the cubes going up and down we've gotten the cool boxes but we've not really gotten any of like the metallica classic pyro or explosions or anything of that nature so i'm just like okay what's going on hit the lights come still nothing it's cool again this time they used like different fan art and whatnot on the cubes and that was nifty and stuff but then the very next song was fuel uh, off of reload and that was the first time they used fire in their set and it was fucking hot and it was really awesome to watch uh it was just really fucking phenomenal honestly like there was it was cool to witness them play Fuel. Uh, and then after that was one of the neatest things I saw because they did Moth into Flame. And for Moth into Flame, they had drones that had lights on them. The drones that had lights on them were programmed to like fly in a very distinct pattern. Their battery life was probably pretty short because they would fly in one distinct pattern and then they would go back towards this box and fall in. A couple of them fell short, which was funny. But for the most part, they all landed where they were supposed to, and everything went really cool. It was really cool because it looked like they were actually moths dancing around and moving. And it was, uh, you know, whoever put the work in to make that happen really, really make made a difference. It was really fucking cool to see. Uh, up next was Sad But True. I want to mention for Sad But True, 13 songs into their set, like we're almost done here, and they about fucking kill me. Because it's a blue and reds back and forth nonstop. And all I'm thinking of is the Porygon episode of Pokemon that got banned. And I'm thinking, motherfucking Metallica is going to give us motherfucking seizures. Because it is red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. Holy shit, it's red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. Never stopping, never faltering. I was like, okay, I'm going to die now, I think. So finally it was over and I was like, I love Sad But True and I'm so glad that song is done. And the lights go out and we start hearing talking. And then on the cubes, we are seeing video from the 1978 movie, Johnny Got His Gun. And it's teasing one. And then finally we hear the boom explosion and they start playing the song and it's fucking hair raised on my arms. Wicked moment. Just loved it. It was so cool um, being there for, again, for all these songs. The songs they picked were just spectacular. Uh, then they closed their regular set with Master of Puppets, and the crowd was fucking... I mean, we took, like, two cor- two verses or a verse and a chorus or something where James did not sing at all. It was the crowd singing, you know, the whole time as loud as we could and just fucking making noise, man. It was amazing. It was amazing to experience that with my dad. So during all this, I'm noticing, though, that while I'm having a great time, my dad's having a fantastic time, my sister 
has been sitting down and standing up a lot. She's been going and leaving the uh, actual area where the concert's happening for a few minutes because she's getting and falling, taking a migraine. She's got a migraine. And she doesn't get them like I do. For her, migraines are few and far between, but they're something that, again, I don't joke about. It's not something that's funny to me. Uh, so I sympathized really bad, and I felt really terrible that she had to go through that whole amazing experience and um, feel pain instead of just joy and, and be really being able to be in it. And so much so that when Master of Puppets was over, she looked at my dad and said, Bill and I are going to just go ahead and we're just going to go walk out to the car and get ready to leave because I don't think we can be in here anymore. And so they left and Metallica comes back out and they start their encore with Fight Fire with Fire. So at this point, they have now done four songs off of Ride the Lightning. That's half the album. They've also done Master of Puppets, For Whom the Bell Tolls and Creeping Death, all songs that at one point in time I have covered live with my old band Draxis. After Fight Fire with Fire, we got an amazing Nothing Else Matters, which was super just, um, it was fucking badass. It really was to just have the whole crowd into that song and experiencing it. Um, it really gets you. You, you really feel it. Uh, and then they closed the night, their official closing, closing song was Sandman, which Fight Fire with Fire had some more fire pyro. Nothing Else Matter had some weird cube art happening with lines and shit. Inner Sandman had a lot of crazy pyro and it had like actual firework type stuff in it. It was really cool. Uh, it was wicked. It was fucking incredible. It was also awesome because we, the people who attended that concert, set a new attendance record for the venue of 18,274. So almost 20,000 people crammed into Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana for the Metallica set. And then we were done with the show. Dad and I walked to the car, we're talking, we're happy, we're fucking hyped on it. Midway through the set, I think it was like right after From the Bell Tolls, Dad nudged me and he goes, hey, we're getting the fucking band back together. And I was like, we can't do that. Like, we we could do that, but we can't do that. He, he's officially at the point where it would it would fuck him up to try to keep drumming like that on that on that level. First Drink Break brought to you by Poor360. You guys will check that out tomorrow, right here on the Journey into Comics Network. Let's have one more drink here for Poor360 every Tuesday right here on Journey Into Comics Network. Journeyintocomics.com So anyways, we get back to the car. Sam's in a lot of pain. She's not feeling good. We're trying to leave. It's taking forever to even get out of the parking lot. We finally get on the road. We're trying to get to our destination. We miss a turn. Dad's freaking out. We miss a turn again. Dad almost turns into the fucking wrong traffic lane and like almost takes us down the fucking wrong way. That would have been awful. And luckily we stopped him from doing that. We fucking finally get ourselves around. We get home and it was like, man, high energy. My brain's on fire with the feeling to kill. That's a Metallica lyric. Anyways, um, it was weird because it was like I was jubilant for the whole concert. I was jubilant afterwards. I was happy when I came home and I rested. I was happy the whole entire experience hanging out with Dad, my sister, and Bill, and and, and and all that. It wasn't until the drive from Hoopston back home that it fucking hit me. And man, did it hit me. I was listening. I grabbed my copy of Hardwired to Self-Destruct. 
And I was just like, I'm going to jam these songs again. I forgot that album's really good. I really enjoyed uh, seeing those songs live for the first time. See, well, seeing all those songs live for the first time was incredible, but to witness those songs with a different energy that wasn't just the album energy was fucking cool. So we, uh, Sarah and I are driving back, and I have Hardwired on, and man, Atlas Rise came on. And as soon as the guitar was like, down, 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 like I fucking burst into tears and I just started weeping as I'm driving. And I was just like, I was overly stimulated by the fact that I lived my whole life thinking I probably would never see Metallica, just being real with myself, my favorite band. And I had to just be like, when am I ever going to be able to get fucking almost $200 tickets to see them? That's not, that's not happening. Like, sorry, you know, it's just, that's not going to happen. So to see that and then to to not only see it, but then like I'm sitting there thinking about the songs they played and I'm like, they played Sandman, Creeping Death from the Bell Tolls Master Puppets, all songs that I got to play when I was a part of Draxus, all the songs that Brando and I got to play together. And uh, it like fucking overwhelmed me. The moment totally swallowed me. And I was like, holy fuck. I don't want to wreck this car. And I'm like, just like, ball in my eyes out man it was a it was a powerful experience because it was like and I and I you know it's even powerful now to talk about it but it's like the last time I felt this energy and you guys can go way back in the annals of the journey into comics history to find this one but it was right after we did the Memphis trip and right after Sun Studios I recounted being in the hollow grounds that Johnny Cash and Elvis and all these people had been in and recorded music that was legendary and how that affected me and it like permanently changed me just the energy of that room well Metallica's energy and the energy of being in the same room with those four people I don't care how far fucking away I was or whatever and I don't care if this sounds like kind of fanboying as a person who understands the importance of the arts and the importance of music knowing that I got to experience Metallica live is something that no one will ever be able to take away from me and um, it it was fucking phenomenal man it was just like to witness that and experience it with my dad, too, and he was a part of Draxus and played those same songs with me. Sans Creeping Death, he never really did that one. Um, but, you know, I just, uh, you don't get shots like that often. So to get that opportunity was really fucking cool. And um, I'm finally, like, well enough to just talk about it, and I'm not going to be a, a, a mess of a human being crying and trying to like dissect it but you know like I said it was also extremely validating this kid who had been in Draxus and who you know looked up to Metallica and to have me as a musician now doing the Walk Among Us thing get validation by this guy coming up to me during the Metallica show is just like that's a storybook type like that that doesn't happen to everybody and I have to recognize that's weird it really is a fucking weird thing you know and I, I like reflect on it just for a minute and I'm just like man like how crazy is my day? I literally merged with Brandon before going into the fucking craziness that was the actual show. So I got to see my buddy Brando, the guy who I played all these songs with, and the guy who got me into Metallica, for fuck's sake. Then I get to see the concert with my dad. This dude comes up and says hey to me. And to know that Brando, my dad, and myself, who all played in that band together, playing those songs together, were in that moment together... Dude, fuck that. There's nothing... No one can take that away. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Metallica again. Because, spoiler alert, we're going again. We don't know when. 
But next time they are around, it's happening. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's happening. We're going to see Metallica. And I'm really looking forward to it. Now, that was just Monday, you guys. We still have a whole other day. This is going to be a long fucking episode. Like, hunker down, folks, because this one, you're going to get your news. Don't worry. It's worth it because the fucking comic book news we have this week is internet break worthy. And you guys will get it when we get it. So, you know, we complete the Metallica show. The week carries on. We get to Friday, and it's time. We're going back to Indianapolis to play Punk Rock Night at the Melody Inn. Go down a little early. Go over to our buddy Sai's house, have some delicious food with his band and ourselves. We break bread together before shows when we perform, and sometimes when we don't always all perform on the same show. Sai still invites us over because he fucking loves us, and we break bread together, and it's great. And we got to hang out with his new bandmates, and they're great. And uh, it's like, okay, well, it's time to go to the Mel. So we go to the Mel. Boom. Who's at the Mel? My buddy, Yuhas. You guys are going to hear Yuhas guest on this Wednesday's episode of Foodies Watching Movies. It's a banger. It's a long one, too. This is a long week. Lots of content to, to take in. So we, you know, and some of this I'm going to read. I'm not retelling all. Like, I'm not going to retell the food-based parts of this story because it doesn't matter. Because you guys are going to hear that on Wednesday, spoiler alert, is actually where this goes. If you want to hear more, listen on Wednesday to Foodies Watch a Movie. So back to it, we're, uh, you know, we go to the show and there's like the Pumpkin Holler boys are playing and they're playing like bluegrass country, they're like a hillbilly happy hour thing that the Mel does every Friday. We've never played a Friday at the Mel before. We always play Saturday and it's been, uh, it's really been interesting because fucking playing on a Friday threw us off our game. So we play on this Friday, Delta Queen plays first, and, oh, Patrick Murray was also there, shout out to Patrick Murray, Craig Chaos was there, shout out to Craig, like, dude, we had so many fucking people out, it was so wild, so all these people are out there, we've got, you know, all those folks are hanging out with us, we watch Delta Queen, they fucking murder, they are so cool, they're gonna make grunge great again, and, uh, you know, we finish up watching Delta Queen and now it's time for us to go on stage and I get my shit on stage they get their shit on stage and we're we're up we're up and away man it's time it's go tizzle you know and uh it's up 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 and way time to play our show so we set up they give us the introduction we smash right into our set we fucking killed it guys it was so much fun the girls and I just were locked in yet again. One of those nights where the chemistry was tangible. You just, everything was firing on all cylinders. Our 51st show. Uh, it was incredible across the board to just witness uh, the crowd interacting with us and going crazy. And then it was like, again, and this happens sometimes. And we, we just, we're going to talk about it here because it's interesting to me. We got done playing, and then like 90% of the people that were there left, they just left. And I was like, oh, people literally come out to see us, and they leave. That's crazy. I never thought about it like that before. But we'd check out these other bands that we're playing with, Mojo Thunder. They were fun. They have like a definitely that, like again, Greta Van Fleet kind of thing coming back because everybody's making that sound popular. Um, but they had some originality and style to them that was that, that definitely will carry them places if they can keep... Uh, habits away from ruining their band. Uh, that's just a prediction. That's not like I know anything about them. I just, those kind of musicians, I'm always thinking they're trying to expand their brains and do lots of acid. Anyways, 
I don't know why I said that. It was just funny to me. But uh, so, you know, we, we played the Mojo Thunder plays, the Black Cat Rebellion plays. It was interesting to play with Black Cat Rebellion again. They played with us at our first show at the Mel, but they left immediately after their set because they had another show they booked. They decided to book two shows that night. It's really cool after the show to have our peers, the people we share the stage with, come up and hype us and, and say all these like really nice things. And they're like, you guys are the fucking real deal. Like, that was crazy. I didn't know what to expect and whatnot. And people come up and say, like, I brought my daughter out to see you guys. And she's like blushing and getting all nervous. And I'm like, we're fucking, we're just people, man. We're just, just talk to us. Like, it's not a big deal. How's it going? Did you enjoy the set? What's your favorite song? Like, you like comic books or some shit? Like, that's just, that's all you have to do. Like, just be chill. Act like you fit in everywhere and act like you can talk to anybody because everybody's just people. Like, that's the biggest tip I can give the world. Everybody's just people, even if they're an A-list celebo. So we got done with the show. We had to drive back home. We ate at IHOP. You guys will get that story. We had to drive home. We didn't get home till 6 in the morning. I had some fun adventures with you, Haas, the past couple days. He left, and I was like, fuck, man, it's time to record podcasts. Got to get this shit out. I've been brewing on what this podcast was going to be because, man, there's so much news. And you guys are like, oh, my God, we're 45 minutes in. We're finally going to get some fucking news. I hope it's good news. It's really good news. Like, this week, it was just like banger after banger after banger. It's all big Marvel and Disney news, and it's there's not a lot of DC news. There's there, I mean, there's a couple things, like if we're doing a quick fire reporting here. Quick fire, I just want to mention Shazam is on track to make $50 million opening weekend at the box office. Seems like it's going to do pretty well for itself. We'll see if those numbers hold, if they go higher, if they end up lower, unsure. We're going to talk a little bit about this, too. It is possible that Rotten Tomatoes will be changing their format soon. I did not read this specific article, but I did see this high, this headline stating that they are probably going to go to a, way, a place now where you can't review a movie unless you have a movie ticket, which I fucking love that. If you don't have a movie ticket, you shouldn't say shit about the movie. That'll keep people from trolling. You going to pay money to fucking review the movie? Nope. Then you're not going to fucking review the movie because you're not going to go see it. And that's, guess what? At least that says, hey, you have to go and actually see it to give your honest opinion or waste money and just give the studio money. So it's a win-win. I love it. I think it's going to make for more pure. We'll see. We'll see. But let's get into Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel's box office, the box office, not the box office, the box office dropped to just 55% in its second weekend. It looks to break six, uh, it, it it made $65 million this weekend. Uh it, domestically and looks to cross the 1 billion mark. Uh, obviously it's going to you know it's 69 not 65. It hauled in 65 million domestically in the second week. Uh, also the number of 55% dropping from the audience in the first week to the second week is the second or third fourth or fifth lowest. It's somewhere in there. I mean uh, the the drops essentially the way it is is people are going to f- rush to see the th- the movie the first week. And then you're going to see how much of that is sustained. And as you saw last, I mean, they made a fuck ton of money. I don't remember how much they made that first week. But they, they're they going to kill it, man. And and they're doing really well for themselves. Congrats to Captain Marvel for just for killing it. I, the more I think about and ruminate about that movie, I just want to say, like, maybe I should restate this, that I actually think it might be a little bit closer to a 9 now that I've sat and really thought about it and what the future for Marvel means now that they're doing this. Uh, I know one thing that the future of Marvel means, folks, and I'm going to make sure to be ahead of the game here. Look at me, I remembered. Uh, 
So they, you know, Captain Marvel doing really good. That's brilliant. As we said, we talked about that after credit sequence. If you haven't seen it yet, it's killer. You kind of got a little bit of tease that though, because we also this week received an Avengers Endgame trailer too. I kind of felt like that was going to be the case. We had said there was some shareholder footage. This is not the same footage. They showed some different stuff. So we're going to play it right now and break it down scene by scene. Here we go. First and foremost, it's the the scene where it's all the exploded armor from Iron Man 1 and he's in the desert. God, seems like a thousand years ago. He takes his helmet I off. First movie. Became Iron Man. Now he's... They, they immediately switch back to that first shot. We see the old Iron Man helmet, the nano helmet that's like half melted or whatever that's on the Benatar that's projecting something or that's maybe taking footage of Tony as he's sitting there talking. Proof that Tony Stark has a heart from Pepper. Pepper. Uh, one thing to note, all the old scenes that they use, because this has got some old footage from the MCU history. They are using stuff from Iron Man 1 here, Thor 1, Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, you know, they, they're trying to kind of hammer that home that they're going back to the beginning. But one thing to note is all the callback scenes are in black, white, and red. And that's interesting to note, which we'll get into here in a minute. I loved you. I know I said no more. It's a shot of the Benatar floating in space. Tony is at the helm of the Benatar. Prizes, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. There's that shot that they've they dubbed the other footage of Tony in space in the Benatar with the uh, as they're looking at the front of the Benatar and it's kind of panning away. Now we're at the Captain America stuff. Peggy Carter talking, by the way. None of us can go back. Hawkeye with his daughter. And she is shooting a bow and arrow. And that's pretty uh, evident of maybe... I feel like this is going to be the scene where she's shooting the bow and arrow... And as he's going to like tell her how great of a job she did at getting a bullseye, he looks back and she's fucking dusted or she's being dusted. But they're on the farm. I don't know if anybody's actually noticed this yet, but his wife is in the background. Looks like there's a picnic. Uh, there are two boys in the far back that are playing a sport of some kind or their children over there doing something. Uh, maybe this is at a park, but I think this is at the Barton uh, farm. All we can do is our best. Now it's Ronan turning around. We've already seen this shot. Sometimes the best we can do is to start over. That's a definite clue. Are we going to have a hard reset on the MCU? How are they going to do this? Uh, Black Widow and now Ronan, I guess, instead of calling him Hawkeye, joining hands together. Peggy Carter's funeral with Cap crying. It's loud. Now it's scenes from Thor, Anthony Hopkins, or Odin grabbing Thor by the shoulder and, you know, giving him the speech. It's Thor. It's now it's Anthony Mackie and Black Panther uh, being dusted. I saw all these people die. Thor watching all the different people be dusted. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Cap touching the ground. Now it's Natasha and... 
they okay so check it out it's natasha talking to steve then there's a shot of bruce i don't think those all three are combined i think those are three separate shots now you've got uh missing tony p henderson signs and a uh, scott lang looking mighty confused at what's going on lots of people have gone missing it seems even if there's a small chance new quinjet flying down i think that let me say this this is the Quinjet flying into what looks like New York City. I believe that this shot we are seeing here is the Avengers in 2012 New York City. I do not believe this is modern New York City or after Snap New York City. I believe this predates that, and this is footage we are going to see deep into the mission of this story, maybe near the final battle with the new Quinjet. You've got uh, Barton and Natasha on the Benatar this time. Maybe they're in space. And they're uh, confiding in each other one more time. It's Ronan running down a red hallway. Could be the Benatar again, maybe. Not sure, but it's now it's whatever it is is exploding. This could be at Avengers HQ, possibly exploding. You've got Rocket with War Machine. War Machine with new armor. Rocket with his uh, classic comic look going on here and it looks like those are bucky's uh goggles from the winter soldier they look pretty similar i'm not 100 percent on that but that's uh that does look very similar steve in a different shot and hawkeye mo hawkeye now there was a shot of ant-man and with ant-man and they start there doing the whatever it takes thing i'm doing a bad job of like letting this just play out but it's like every time i see something i'm like i want to talk about that so they're talking about whatever it takes, but Ant-Man, you see him and he's like looking like, what the fuck? But then there's an explosion happening behind him. That's important because in a minute you're going to see him going through office supplies in an explosion. But right now you're seeing Thor holding Stormbreaker and charging up, getting ready for something. Nebula looking like she's about to scream and there's a blown up terrain building. Looks like it could be Earth. I'm not sure. She's screaming. Again, Hawkeye and that red uh, thing. Natasha shooting her gun again. Whatever it takes. Everybody's saying whatever it takes. There was a shot of Cap. He looked real dirty and real messed up. I think that's early in the movie, too. And after they've like dealt with this fucking attack, Ant-Man is here. He's very tiny. He's getting ready to jump on this pencil. There was like a, a speaker jack. There's some liquid. He's jumping some water. Whatever it takes. And Tony says, whatever it takes. And then here we go. You're at Avengers HQ. And I think this 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 is po possibly a misleading shot, unless this is a later Avengers HQ in a different spot in the movie. Some people are saying this could be some faux footage because, well, think about it. If Avengers HQ gets attacked, then why would after it gets attacked it not look attacked and they go to the quantum realm in their new advanced tech suits? It doesn't. It doesn't really, the timeline of that doesn't really add up. So is this scene fake or not? I don't know, but let's talk about who is all together and just the hype moment that we get here as we see, you see Captain America leading the team, Nebula behind him. You see uh, Ant-Man with Nebula with Hawkeye and or Ronan, depending on how you look at it. You see Ronan next to Rhodey. Uh, Rhodey has... Uh, you've also got Natasha next to Tony. So it's Steve, Natasha, Tony, Nebula, Ant-Man, uh, Hawkeye, uh, War Machine, 
You got Rocket Raccoon's got to be in there somewhere. Bruce Banner might be in there somewhere. I have an idea on where Bruce is. We're going to talk about that in a second. Or why they don't show him here. Uh, the Avengers title card. Endgame. Boom. And now we're going to be at the final scene here. It's Thor. He's looking at Captain Marvel. Boom. Stormbreaker zoomed right next to Captain Marvel's head and she doesn't flinch and she's just staring at him. And I she like gets that. a smirk. He says, I like this one. And then that's it, guys. April 26th, we're there. We are a little over a month away now from seeing Endgame, which is a real genuine once-in-a-lifetime event. Ten years of cinematic history. Ten years of 22 movies culminating to one driving story that ends it all. I mean, listen, kids, this is not going to happen again, except for maybe for Marvel if they keep it up. And I hope they do. I feel like they're going to be able to keep it up. I feel like they have their game plan locked in and they're really moving with all their mojo. I mean, you got to think this Avengers Endgame trailer was viewed 268 million times in 24 hours. The newest trailer released this week um, hit... 268 million times in 24 hours. It doesn't beat the first Endgame trailer. It is still pretty impressive. It also does show Brie Larson, uh, you know, kicking ass and taking names as Captain Marvel joining the team. Also, one thing to note that uh, they released a picture of Thanos on Empire Magazine for the May cover, which is actually going to be the April cover. Um, but it's Thanos. It looks like there's space behind him or like there's a portal open. He's got slightly new, better golden armor. And one thing to note, that Infinity Gauntlet sure does look brand spanking new. And that's very strange because the last time we saw it, oh, and his hand and his arm also don't look so fried. So I just think that's interesting to note that Thanos has got like a little bit more of a mean thing going on. He looks a little bit more angry. I'm not really sure what's coming. We're going to have to see. This is, uh, like I said, this is a big uh, in-the-making moment for the Avengers and what we've been gearing towards 22 movies in history. It's just uh, it's incredible. I cannot wait to actually witness this. Now, guys, I tell you what, we've been holding on to this creamy, delicious news for a while now. Uh, it broke earlier this week. I have tried not to like say too many things, but now I'm going to say some things. Back July of last year, Disney decided after alt-right journalists came at uh, one James Gunn, they decided to fire James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, remove him from projects. There was great question of what was going to happen. Will a script be used for him? What is the future going to bring? You know, who knows? Uh, so it was just like, you know, one of those moments where... James Gunn getting fired was like a kick to the balls, especially for me because we just recorded JIC 200 and we were just hyping how great James Gunn was. And he's this amazing person. I think like JIC 201 under the gun. Here we are 34 episodes later, 34 weeks later. And, you know, uh, many, many months ago, they fired James Gunn. They made an example of him. They The question was, who's going to replace him? Taika Waititi, Scott Dickinson, fucking Edgar Wright. They named all these different people of who could take over. Will Sean Gunn direct the movie? And I kept saying no. You guys, here's the deal. 
I have been saying it since the beginning, and I want you guys to go back and listen. Listen to 201 and what some of the things I said. Listen to the any episode where James Gunn gets brought up uh, since his firing. I say every single time, you watch. He will be reinstated. His reinstatement will be happening closer to the end of the Fox-Disney deal, and his reinstatement will ensure that he does return for Guardians 3 and possibly can continue working with Marvel beyond Guardians 3, right? So why am I talking about this? Because it fucking actually happened exactly how I said. Here we are. As you're listening Monday, we're two short days away from some really big news. We're going to talk about that in a minute as the Disney and Fox deal is set to be closing Tuesday night at midnight going into Wednesday morning. What this also means is James Gunn is back to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Dave Bautista is not going to kill Alan Horn. We're not going to lose any members of the Guardians. They're going to keep the integrity of his story, his style, his vision is going to remain intact. There were people that doubted me. There's no way James Gunn joining Suicide Squad ensures he'll never return to Marvel. It's done. We've lost him. Blah, 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 blah. And you know what I kept saying? No. He is going to still do Guardians 3, and they're going to make sure of it. Here's one thing, folks. When Disney decided to do business with Fox, they had to do business with some honestly pretty extreme conservative folks who have some pretty fucking narrow-minded views. So Disney said, okay, we got to play the game. This alt-right news comes out, and honestly, if they didn't handle it right, the James Gunn thing could have been the end of the Disney-Fox deal. Now, we really, really need that deal to go through so we can get the X-Men back, the Fantastic Four back. We can have all the Star Wars movies under one roof. There's all these great reasons why the uh, Fox-Disney deal has to happen, and I know there are naysayers who are going to say 75,000 jobs are going to get taken away. Well, some of that's true, but some of those people are going to find better work and move on to better things. It's not like it's the worst thing, and some of those other people are really better off. They've made a lot of fucking money and done their thing, and, you know, the fucking second executive director of fucking marketing programming or whatever who makes $190 million a year doesn't need to anymore, you know, or whatever. So finally, we get the reinstatement of James Gunn. Finally, we're going to see him return to the MCU. I cannot wait. I will say we have to wait, though. He's still going to do Suicide Squad 2. That didn't stop. He didn't go, oh, surprise, I only said I was going to do that so I could see if I could get this back. I will say I hope the movie Suicide Squad 2 gets made. I hope that... DC goes through with it. I also feel like DC has got cold feet and itchy trigger finger and things keep fucking up for them. I think Shazam will officially seal the fate for the DCEU once and for all. Uh, That movie can soar and get people talking about how funny and good it is and whatever it's supposed to be. Great. If it fumbles, you're going to have a hard time convincing people after Shazam because Shazam's a hard character to sell you're going to fucking have a hard time selling them on anything else. So Disney, or not Disney, DC's walking a really fine line here. So James Gunn gets reinstated. He finally broke his silence on Twitter. The last, let's check this out. Check this shit out. He literally, back July 19th of 2018 when he was fired, said, many people have followed my career when I started. My views as a provocateur, making movies, telling jokes that were outrageous and taboo. I've discussed publicly many times that I developed as a person. So is my work and my humor. It's not to say I'm better, but I am very, very different than I was a few years ago. Today, I try not to root my work in love and connecting lesson. I try to root my work in love and connection and lesson anger. Uh, my days saying something just because it's shocking and trying to get a reaction are over. In the past, I've apologized for my the humor of mine that hurt people. I've 
truly felt sorry and meant every word of my apology. For the record, when I made these shocking jokes, I wasn't living them out. I know this is a weird statement to make. It seems obvious, but still here I am saying it. Anyways, that's the completely honest truth. I used to make a lot of offensive jokes. I don't anymore. I don't blame my past self for this, but I like myself more and I feel more full human being and creator today. I love love you to you all. And that was July 19th. 2018, the last time James Gunn publicly spoke on Twitter until just a few days ago when he posted a screenshot with a heart. The screenshot says, I'm tremendously grateful to every person out there who has supported me over the past few months. I'm always learning and will continue to work at being the best human being I can be. I deeply appreciate Disney's decision, and I am excited to continue making films that investigate the ties of love that bind us all. I have been and continue to be incredibly humbled by your love and support. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Love to you all. So James Gunn, man, killing it. And he's not the only one that's excited, man. People have some stuff to say. Let's get into it. Who had some stuff to say? Obviously, the stars and different directors are hyped that he has returned. We haven't yet got the official Guardians statement. They all have not came out and said how they feel that their director has returned. But I feel like it's coming. It's coming real soon. So with news that the previous fire, James Gunn had been reinstated by Disney and Marvel Studios as a director of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, bursting its way on the internet, various Marvel talent have been responding to the news. Here's what they had to say. Taika Waititi responding tongue-in-cheek, saying, What the hell? I thought I was going to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So he's just you know poking fun like, Oh, of course, of course I was never going to do that. Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, actually did say something. She just said three words. We are are Groot. Peyton Reed, the director of Ant-Man and the Wasp, welcome back James with a picture of James at the premiere for Ant-Man and the Wasp last year. Uh, Hollywood Reporter picture posted by the Judge Gun, that Sean Gun. He just says, I'll just leave this here. People saying, fuck yes. Um, woot woot. Heart, thank God. My happy maker for the morning. Great news to wake up to. Uh, this makes me so happy. Uh, Scott, Derrickson, the director of uh, Doctor Strange, uh, just put in glory, hallelujah. And, I mean, people are fucking hyped, man. He deserves to come back. And I'm glad that he's back, and I'm glad that I've been saying that he's back, and I'm glad that I called it. I told you guys, I told you guys, I told you guys. Listen to me. Listen. On, that's why people listen to Journey into Comics, because I know this shit. I understand how certain things work, and I can just see the bigger picture. I know there were some naysayers who were like, Nate, he's not coming back, man. Just let it go. Like, get over it. It's not happening. And I loved that when, uh, I think AP broke the news on our Journey into Comics Network chat. And he was like, somebody check on Nate to make sure he's okay. And I was like, I'm fucking great, dude. I didn't know until I saw he posted that. But it was amazing. It was just like, oh my fucking God. Everything that I said that was going to happen has come to fruition. I cannot wait to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I cannot wait to see the future of the MCU. Who knows what we're going to get in 2020? 2020 now is officially a giant Marvel Cinematic Universe mystery because we don't know. We know that we're getting Spider-Man at the end of this year or at the middle of this year in July. We know we're getting Endgame next. We just got Captain Marvel. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, I'm fucking telling you, uh, it's a great time to be alive for Marvel fans and, and comic book fans and, and movie lovers. You know, Great Injustice was done to James Gunn, and to see that 
ride itself was was definitely gratifying for sure. So you guys, I said it, uh, Disney's $71 billion deal to buy most of 20th Century Fox will take place on Wednesday, March 20th. The company said Tuesday morning. That was last week. It will be an event in the entertainment business, the merging of two movie studios and the end of Fox as we all know it. Staffers at 20th Century Fox are bracing for layoffs and other big changes. Disney is picking up the studio, a controlling stake in Hulu, a suite of entertainment channels like Fox and Nat Geo, and other assets. The remaining parts of 20th Century Fox will be spun off into a new company simply known as Fox. It will include Fox Broadcast Network, Fox News, and Fox Sports. This deal was proposed December 2017. Comcast tried to counter, but Disney made a much higher offer to the Murdoch family and Fox shareholders. Disney prevailed in July 2018. See July 2018 right when what? The James Gunn story is happening. See, it's all correlated, folks. It's right there. Ever since then, the company has been seeking all the necessary regulatory approvals. Fox-controlled networks have been in a strange state of limbo, as Adweek put it recently. The new structure of the company, uh, the new structure of the combined Disney Fox, has been sketched out by executives. And on Tuesday, the company has detailed some of the final steps that have to happen before the deal closes. But there are still some uncertainties about cutbacks that one executive called inevitable. Analysis expect that Disney will lay off at least 5,000 people, so that's less than I said. Um, oh, Disney, and then um, and some on the Fox side, others on the Disney side as a result of the consolidation. The company has not commented on the specific plans, but investors have been told to expect at least $2 billion in cost synergies by 2021 from operating efficiencies realized through the combination of business. On the day the deal was announced, the White House said the merger would be good for workers. I know the president spoke to Rupert Murdoch earlier today and congratulated him on the deal and thinks, to use one of the president's favorite words, this could be a great thing for jobs, and he's certainly looking forward to seeing a lot more of those created, a spokesperson then said. So, it seems like this is great news. Disney is going to be taking over. We're going to get the MCU at a different level. I mean, really, to have the X-Men and the Fantastic Four be able to be players and it really opens up things, man. And I feel like this, too... I feel like Marvel has done a really good job, and you guys are going to probably disagree with me. I feel like they've actually done a really clever and good job not directly tying things to themselves yet, like the Netflix deal. Those shows are loosely in the MCU. They do connect-ish, but like, there's a little bit of air of maybe they don't, you know, and they haven't officially, officially been confirmed. I think that's good because now if those characters don't move forward and they want to do something else with Daredevil, they can just reinvent Daredevil, put them on the big screen, or they can reinvent whoever and do whatever. Um, and I think that's, again, and humans is another great example of that. So one more thing about the Fox-Disney deal. Fox shareholders are going to have to make a decision. They've made the decision, nearly 52% of the shareholders in 21st Century Fox, the entity that is about to be acquired by Disney, have expressed a preference to receive cash in exchange for their shares after the Fox-Disney deal closes early Wednesday. 37% of shareholders said they would prefer shares in New Disney, as the Fo as the Foxified company is called in official paperwork, while about 12% indicated no preference. The tallies were, were reported yesterday after yesterday's deadline for shareholders to submit their choices. The company said earlier this week that the long-awaited $71.3 billion a combination will become official 12.02 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. So that would be 11.02 here. So Tuesday night at 11 o'clock, it's going to be official. Under the merger agreement, Fox stockholders may elect to receive $38 per share in exchange for either cash or shares of New Disney, which include two-thirds of 21st Century Fox being acquired, mainly TV and film division. 
man, it is bumping in this world. It's crazy. We're getting all this. Uh, it's it's really cool to see how things have kind of like come together. We're seeing the end of a lot of things, the rebirth, the recreation, the coming together of things. I feel like things are mending. Like people who have been away from people, uh, friends and people I know have been reconnecting. I feel like there's just a new... Honestly, I feel like there's something big on the horizon that's going to bring us all together. And I don't know what that is, and I hope it's a good thing and not a bad thing. But maybe it's endgame. Who knows? But I feel like we as a society are crying out to all be more together and synergetic. I don't want to go to the grocery store and feel gross that there's a guy in front of me wearing a Trump shirt and thinking about how what he must think about me and my lifestyle and me as a person, you know? And just like, man, he, he fucking judges me hard and doesn't even realize he judges me hard. Like, and then having to, like, just not, like, can't even look people in the eye anymore because you're just like, I don't want to offend somebody. Fucking just look down at my fucking phone. That's what we'll do. We'll just get distracted deeper and deeper and deeper into our telephones. I think we are all set, folks. I don't think I have any more news. You know what we'll do? I always like to do this just as a backup. We'll refresh one last time, see if any late-breaking comic book news has come down the pike. And let's see. It looks like there's nothing, guys. Nothing major. Nah. Nothing major. I will say that I need to at some point catch up on The Walking Dead, you guys. I know that a lot of shit's been happening. I want to compare the comics to the books. And I have one comic or two comics to read and review on here. That'll definitely be for next week. I promise we're going to get back to that um, next time you guys hear us. The next episode of JIC, JIC 236, will be live from LafiCon, or not LafiCon, damn it, I'm so used to that. It will be live from Fun for Funs, a Journey into Comics Network event. You guys can check that out. We're having it uh, March 23rd in Lafayette, Indiana. If you can make it, it'll be a great time. Podcasts, we encourage you to come by 4.30 to be a part of the podcast. Or 4 o'clock, we want to have everybody interacting with the shows. Maybe a live Bruise taste test. Bruise with Dudes 75, live from North End Pub. You've got Dungeons with Dudes episode going to be recorded live. You've got uh, Podcastrophe doing a live show. Journey into Comics with the after show where we're going to throw down and slang some friendliness and, and party together. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Band number one performing, as well as Boner Jovi, my band Walk Among Us, and Dave Linder's band Yesterday Chips. Yesterday's Chips. It's awesome to have this event together. Comedy by Patrick Murray. Um, all of our friends coming together. Nick Maxson being a part of Dungeons with Dudes, Brews with Dudes, and being a part of Boner Jovi. Dick with Podcastrophy and band number one. Myself with Walk Among Us and Journey into Comics. We were going to do a foodies maybe, but Sarah and V were like, ah. We just want to play the show that night. We don't want to be dealing with having to talk and be on a podcast and entertain after we've already entertained. And I understand that. So I was like, all right, I get that. So that's going to do it, folks. Before we get out of here, let's dive into the plugs. You guys can check on the Journey Into Comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com. Journey Into Comics Network is also available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Play Music, CastBox, and many others. Just search for Journey Into Comics Network. That's where you can get all the different shows upon our network, such as Journey Into Comics, Poor 360, Journey Into Wrestling, Foodies Watching Movies, Adulting Ain't Easy, Podcastrophe, Kids for Sale, Crucial Tunes, The Voice of Survival Podcast, Gallif Radio, Brews with Dudes, Dungeons with Dudes, and more to come. I promise we've got some stuff coming down the pike soon. And also I want to mention that moving forward, 
uh, and this officially is going to be announced here first because I want to make it like for my fans here. There's going to be a little addition to this show in the fall. And what that means is that in the fall, when we come back from break, uh, and not this show, but Journey into Wrestling, Journey into Wrestling is going to become a part of this show. And in the fall, bi-weekly, on Mondays, you're going to get a full JIC and then a half hour of Journey into Wrestling for Season 4. I wanted to free up some extra space. This is not the Nate work. This is a Journey into Comics network. And I want all my friends and family and people that I care about to be able to create what they want to create. We've got some new shows that are coming up. And I wanted to clear some space for those shows. So, Journey into Wrestling is not going to be disappearing forever. It's not going to be a show anymore at all or anything like that. But it's going to become a mini show within the Journey into Comics podcast bi-weekly starting probably August or September. We'll see. But I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. This has been Journey into Comics 235, Moth into Flame. I have been your host, Nate. As always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys. Hey, this is uh, Nathan Explosion from Death Clock, and uh, I just wanted to tell you guys about an event coming up in here pretty soon, March 23rd. Fun for Funs is a Journey in the Comics Network event. Oh yeah, and it's featuring lame pit kids from Bruce with Dudes, and Pit Kids Trophy, and Dungeons with Dudes, and Journey into Comics. With performances by those jackasses in band number one, also Boner Sylvie, Walk Among Us, and Yesterday's Chips. I do not want to say the things about the, the comedians, the ones, the, the big Santa Claus's comedians, them's Patrick's Mercies. It's the live stand-ups guys that will be there at the north in pubs on March 23rd. Dr. Roxo, the rock and roll club, baby. Here to tell you one last thing, man. You might have forgot about it, but those are open in the three. We're gonna have podcasts at four. You're gonna pay $10, baby, and it's 21 and up. That's a fact, Jack. Check it out.